intuitive earnings, Ebola czars, and biotech breakups because that's where the money is. Hi Fools, welcome to the Wednesday healthcare edition of Where the Money Is. I'm David Williamson and I'm joined as usual by my fellow healthcare analyst in arms, Michael Douglas. Michael, how are you doing? Fantastic. Uh, it's great to be back in the saddle. I'm sorry I missed the show last week. I, it's, it's okay. You know, Allison Southland and I talked about Johnson & Johnson and a few other things. Uh, she's the best. She, yeah. uh, she yes. can easily replace me, but I hope everyone out there, <laughs> I hope everyone out there didn't, uh, didn't get too comfortable with Allison. <laughs> because guess there. who's back? Like, she's so much better. Why are we stuck with this David guy? Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we have, uh, we, have, we have a good show. It's earnings yeah. season, which is really exciting. We had, we had a lot that uh, came out and... Some, some really interesting earnings. The one we thought we would tackle is a Motley Fool pick. It's yep. Intuitive Surgical. It's one of the largest medical device companies. It's cutting edge robotic surgery. And uh, they had a pretty good quarter, Michael. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you look at the numbers worldwide. Uh, da Vinci is their, their big system. Uh, procedures grew uh, about 10% over the uh, third quarter yep. of 2013. Uh, they placed more systems. They sold more systems. Uh, Fifty-nine compared to fifty last quarter. Mm -hmm. So you know, the the really big thing about Intuitive Surgical is that they basically they place this system, um, and then you know they sell you additional sort of disposable parts and 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 uh, higher margin parts exactly yep. um, that you know you can use with those systems. So you get like the big uh, sale, and then you get sort of these like longer tail opportunities. That's I, I think really where a lot of the opportunity is. Mm -hmm. um, and you look across the board and they just did better. And this is the first quarter that we've seen for, they had a couple where it was just kind of things were going down, fewer yep. sales, tight CapEx budgets with hospitals. And it looks like maybe those wallets are starting to loosen a little bit finally. It is. Shares are down about one and a half percent today, but the market's down in general. So yeah. I'm not really too concerned about that. I love that revenue per procedure grew sequentially. Yes. Uh, that's, a, that's a key stat. You, know, you talk about payer pressures. That's still on my mind. Yeah. Uh, payer pressures, the and Affordable everyone's. Care Act, you know, how that's going Im to uh, impact gynecologic, uh, gynecology procedures. Yeah. Um, they did up their guidance lately yep. uh, from, what, 5 to 8% up to uh, 8 to 9%. Uh, so that is some some slight year-over-year -year growth. Yeah, and that's, that's like procedure growth, right? Procedure growth, yep. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it, it's definitely interesting. You're taking a look at Intuitive Surgical, and it's a stock that I've been, I'm excited about, but I'm still a little cautious about because I think they are walking a bit of a fine line. Um, I think there is still tremendous upside yeah. potential with the stock. I think there's almost an equal amount of downside uh, with the stock. I mean, you're talking about they do have you know, the XI platform that's launching. Mm -hmm. They're trying to grow in general surgery. Um, unfortunately, uh, gynecology has basically been flatlining, so you have to, you have to work about, worry about deceleration there. Yeah. You have to watch the international growth. You know, this beat was largely powered by outside the U.S., so mm -hmm. uh, that's something to watch. You know, they're talking about reimbursement in Japan. That's something to watch. Uh, single incision could be a huge growth accelerator for them. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I, I do think this is a it's a high variability stock, and you know, if we're talking about a sort of a base case scenario, and, and we're all about that base here, Michael. Yeah. Um, I, I think. Wow, shares I like are, that. I like that. Thank good, you. Uh, good, thank good you. Pull. I think shares are are probably fairly valued right now. Yeah, or even uh, you know, it's a rule breakers pick. You know, our, yeah. our rule breakers newsletter is all about like um, sort of high opportunity, high risk. Yeah. Uh, often highly valued companies, and Intuitive is... Well, that's how you get those great multi-bagger returns that David Gardner is known for. Right, exactly. Oh, that, that was a nice pull there. Thank too. you. Uh, man, you're, you're, you're on fire today. Um, Took a week off, come out guns blazing. Apparently. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, when you look at valuation, it's like, well, you know, this is a pretty expensive stock considering that it's had a couple quarters of revenue declines and now a little mm -hmm. bit of revenue growth, but still pretty slow. So I, I'm, I'm kind of in wait and see with Intuitive. I really like the opportunity, and I think when you're thinking like 15 and 20 years out, this could be a really big winner. Um, when you're thinking a little bit nearer term, say the next five years, I'm not as sure. Mm -hmm. But as you pointed out, a lot of that depends on Affordable Care Act, hospital budgets. Yep. It's an expensive system, right? I mean, if you're going to shell out a, you know, a million, two million for a system, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, you're not going to get that many sales. So that's just kind of part of the deal there. But overall, a good quarter for Intuitive and I think a stock I'm going to be watching more closely. Absolutely. It looks like they have gone through their rough patch, though. So it's, I'm hoping so. It's, it's definitely exciting. All right, well, let's move on to our next story, which is biotech breakups. Yep. And it's Amgen. Amgen's actually in the news for two reasons, but we'll start with the first. Third point, uh, it's a hedge fund, a pretty well-known one. Uh, Daniel Loeb basically called for the breakup, breakup of Amgen, said he liked Amgen a lot. The, the quote is, Amgen has all the hallmarks of a hidden value situation. Michael, what's your take here? Well, so uh, third point's commentary was basically that, you know, they, they, they should split, um, split into two companies. And I just... For me, I think that when you look at Amgen, okay, so they've got they've got legacy drugs, right? But the opportunity there is that those can help sort of fuel the dividend. And then when you look at their growth opportunities, um, things like Ebolacumab, uh, mm -hmm. potentially Kiprolis if it's able to um, get into those additional indications, that's a cancer drug. Um, I like Amgen, and I kind of like it as it is, to be honest. Yep. Um, I, I think that when you have a bigger company, that spreads your risk out a little bit more. And Amgen's not, you know, like Pfizer size, right? Like, Pfizer's yeah. the kind of company that could probably break up and potentially build some shareholder value as a result. But I'm not sure that two standalone, you know, Amgen 1 and Amgen 2, would necessarily uh, have the scale to do as well. So I really like the stock kind of where it is. Yeah, I agree with you. I Maybe there's some value to be had yeah. by, by breaking it up, but it's not a scenario. You know, it's not like Abbott and AbbVie where yeah. there is this uh, drug, Humira, that was the best selling in the world and it's a huge overhang for the mm -hmm. medical device company and get that off and, and you know, that break that out into a separate pharma, uh, uh, for, ah, sorry, <laughs> um, Pharma company, mm -hmm. Pfizer is a great example as well. Um, and you, you, it's funny you mentioned the PCSK9. Mm -hmm. Amgen, you and I are both excited about that drug. Oh yes, they're likely to be uh, you know first or second to market right there. But they're trying to guarantee it. They're going to sue their competitors, Sanofi and Regeneron, to, to block them basically. Yeah, our, our other piece of news uh, from our friends over at uh, Fierce Biotech. Um, you know, <sighs> predicting lawsuits isn't something that uh, we're that I think most people in the market are particularly good at. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's hard to say. What's interesting to me, though, is I'm wondering why Amgen didn't go after Pfizer's PCSK9 yeah. because Because the argument was basically like, well, we have these patents. They're being violated by these other PCSK9 uh, inhibitors. But we're only going to go for the other one that's like sort of up with us because Alirocumab might get to market first. first it's kind of yep. pending. Um, I mean, Bocokizumab, Pfizer's drug, is a little further back. But at the same time, I mean, if you're going to do sue. one, you might as well do both. That, right. that was sort of my thought, too. Pfizer's could be different enough that maybe they don't like yeah. the, the patent argument there. Or maybe they really are just trying to get first to market and capture uh, what could be a large share. I mean, it's predicted to be about a $10 billion market. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. These drugs work incredibly well. They dramatically yes. lower cholesterol levels. Uh, the question is just because they're going to be more expensive and they're injected, you know, what is that take rate going to be? Is it just going to be for people who uh, statins don't work for? Or can they move into a larger market? 
Yeah, well, and we've, we've, there's been some, as we know, one of the big themes of 2014, it seems like there are like three of them, sort of Obamacare, mm -hmm. um, uh, hepatitis C, and then conversations about expensive drugs. Yep. And, uh, the PCSK9s have been called out by some of your pharmaceutical benefits managers, like Express Scripts, by some of your insurers, um, because folks are a little bit concerned, well, you know, this is an expensive drug. Is it really going to provide the sort of the bang for the buck? Um, whether they're going to reimburse. And that is kind of an open question and really that kind of depends on how you feel about that as to sort of how you feel about Amgen and yep. the PCSK9 market in general. Well, you know, it's the PCSK9 is really what Loeb was excited about and yeah. Amgen's bet heavy on it. So yeah. if you're an Amgen shareholder or just interested in biotech in general, this is definitely a space to be watching. For sure. All right, well, let's move on to our next story, um, which comes courtesy of Bloomberg. It's a little bit of housekeeping, yeah. actually. Uh, you talked, I guess, with Allison when I was out about tax inversions and how AbbVie was likely going to end their deal with Shire. Yep. Looks like uh, they, they have. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they did it. And Shire took a, uh, well, Shire had actually taken a big hit the day uh, uh, Allison and I talked about it because um, AbbVie was saying, well, we're, we're reevaluating. Yeah. Um, and so Shire. Or you said the recommendation or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Shire took something like a $10 billion plunge that day, which, you know, okay, we're used to pops and drops in biotech. Yeah. Not usually that much market value being destroyed in a day, though. I mean, that is a ton. Yeah, Shire is a large company. I mean, yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been on the inversion radar to begin with. Exactly, because you have to be a certain size yeah. um, to, be, to be involved in that. One of the things that got me really interested about the whole thing, though, was that AbbVie from the beginning was like, well, you know, taxes are part of it, but they're not really the main part of it. And well, it turns out taxes were actually a big part of it, maybe the main part of it, I guess, depending on who you ask, but enough for them to go ahead and nuke the deal yeah, and pay the breakup fee. $52 billion deal. And Shire gets to pocket $1.6 billion. Yeah. $1.65 billion. So not not actually the Too, worst yeah. for Shire, I guess. It's a, I guess they can uh, cry into that $1.6 billion you know, with their market loss and be like, oh, we lost $10 billion. And, market money, but we, we actually got $1.6 in, in actual cash from, from AbbVie. So, and it looks like Shire might go on the acquisition uh, trail, too, so that's going to be something to watch. But Obama administration, Congress, successful in uh, squashing a lot of these inversion deals. Yep, we're seeing the blowback. And speaking about the Obama administration, mm -hmm. uh, Ebola is, just remains on the news uh, for, for good reason, and it looks like President Obama has named an Ebola czar, Ron Klain, uh, and this is as we've had now a couple infections here in mm -hmm. the U.S. Um, and the death toll in West Africa is really starting to approach about what five thousand, I think. It's been uh, it's been it's been it's been well, as you know, big yeah. um, and, and enormously, um, I think, frustrating uh, for a lot of folks as they're trying to find some way to sort of combat this. Yeah. Um, and and as as you know, we've talked about once or twice, there have been a number of companies that have decided to kind of. Um, get involved in, in the Ebola uh, piece one way or another. Yep. Well, you take a look, uh, GlaxoSmithKline was generally considered to be the one that would have the vaccine ready first. Yeah. Johnson & Johnson, who always seems to be a yeah. competitor and, and come through, may actually be first to market. They're hoping to have 250,000 um, doses of the vaccine ready yeah. by May. Uh, they're investing $200 million into it. Testing will begin mm -hmm. in January. Uh, so that's really exciting. Uh, obviously, the current sort of uh, techniques for trying to contain Ebola will remain in place, but having a vaccine uh, th that's effective would just be a, a huge win to combat this virus. We saw uh, Sarepta mm -hmm. uh, was up uh, almost 12% uh, because of um, a drug uh, that is used to treat potentially Ebola and, and Marburg virus. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
that uh, you know that that sort of does bring into this sort of Ebola investing phenomenon. Yeah, where we've seen a lot of stocks that have early stage, because quite frankly, everything's early stage in terms of Ebola. Yeah. just go on a huge run uh, as the situation gets worse. But you know, like in, in for instance, in Sarepta's case, they're not an Ebola company. Yeah, I mean they they are a they are a an entirely Duchenne muscular dystrophy company, aside from this drug, basically. Yep. Um, and that's been really their focus for years. Um, and it, it's really interesting to me because um, this happens every time there's a disease du jour, right? There yep. were the, what are the MERS companies? And yep. there were a number of companies that announced, you know, preclinical, I mean, being tested in rats or phase one drugs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, just generally, we don't assign any value to a phase one drug because you're looking at a tiny sample and, yeah. and the Something like ninety percent of drugs fail at phase one. Yeah. Uh, you know, from you know, don't get, ever, never get to market from phase one, and so you really just have to kind of kind of think about valuing that, and then also look at these companies and be like, well, do they have any expertise in this? Okay, somebody like Glaxo, they've got vaccine expertise. Okay, so it makes sense that an Ebola vaccine could could work for them. Johnson and Johnson, they are the largest uh, pharma and you know med device combination company in the world. Yep. Okay, so they clearly have the scale and the resources. Sarepta. Tiny biotech, um, without the subject matter expertise, to my mind, that Glaxo brings to the table, and without kind of that uh, ability to put a lot of resources into a program. And Sarepta is at least larger and is, has had it more success than some of these other Ebola companies yep. that are you know, under $100 million in, in penny stocks. Yeah. I would really encourage listeners to not troll the penny stock market looking for a cure for Ebola. Yeah. It's very likely going to be all hype and no substance. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate because a lot of people, you know, buy into the hype and then lose money. Yep. Uh, you know, with these sorts of things, like when a, when a, when a disease cure comes out or when a, a vaccine that's successful comes out, um, you're going to see it partnering with a bigger company. Yep. Um, and you're going to really see lots of good data and a really carefully planned marketing mm -hmm. uh, plan. And, and so I... I, I'm with you. I, yeah. I tend to go kind of on the bigger side of biotech and pharma. The only random company that kind of interested me a little yeah. is on the other side of it's Orisher, and it's because they're going to have, they have a home HIV test, and uh -huh. they're going to try to make a home Ebola test, oh, which actually might be, the diagnostic side of it actually may be a little more interesting. Yeah. Again, I don't know if they have the you know, ability to pull it off, but that's at least, I think, worth watching more than some of these preclinical Ebola drugs. Well, well, yeah, because I mean, something preclinical, I mean, how many years is it going to be before exactly. it the market? I mean, it's just, yeah, I, I'm with you. Well, all right, so but we've got a, we've got a, we've got a final story, but before we get there, I uh, just want to share with folks, you know, our mission at The Motley Fool is to help the world invest better. Mm -hmm. um, that's a really big thing for us. We do that in a lot of ways. This podcast, this video is one of them. Uh, one of the other big ways is through Stock Advisor. It's our flagship um, uh, investing service. It's run by Tom and Dave Gardner, our two founders. Tom's our, our CEO and, and Dave's our chief rule-breaking uh, stock picker. Um, you know, over the past uh, 12 years, Stock Advisor has more than doubled the market's return. Um, and it's just really had a fantastic go of it. Um, it's the best way to get started investing uh, if, you're, if you're learning about it. And we've got a special offer for Where the Money is listeners and watchers. Um, just text WTMI, that's where the money is, WTMI, to 38470. And again, that's WTMI to 38470. And you'll be sent a link to redeem this special offer. So check us out. And David, what's our final story? Uh, well, this is a segment we should probably dub the Science is Awesome segment. Yeah. Uh, I, I love doing healthcare because you get these random oh, uh, yeah. sort of pop science stories. But this is, this is real. Um, according to Bloomberg, mm -hmm. a paralyzed man is walking mm -hmm. again after cells for smelling were placed in his spine. Yeah, that is... 
it, it's fascinating, and, and you can, and if you read the article, which I encourage everybody to, um, you'll see that this was the result of you know like something like two decades of research into this yeah. one like particular subset of cells. It's it's fascinating what science and healthcare are doing these days. It's uh it's definitely a great place to be, and yeah. you know hopefully the techniques that that are learned through this can be used because there really aren't a whole lot of great you know medicine uh, for spine injuries, yes. and so. Uh, if, if, we, if this is the actual breakthrough, we, we think and hope it is. Uh, hopefully, that'll lead to a lot better treatments elsewhere. Absolutely. All right, everyone, thank you for watching Wednesday's Healthcare Where the Money Is. For Michael Douglas, I'm David Williamson, and stay tuned tomorrow for Energies Where the Money Is, and we'll see you right back here next week. Fool on.